chapter 5, by the way, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. And before we dive into the text, let me first share a little background information. And, and this event in, in the text is not parallel uh, to the one described in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark. And in earlier, Peter and Andrew, James, and John had traveled with Jesus in Capernaum and Galilee, but then they went back to their trade. They went back to fishing. Now, in the text, today's text, Jesus would call them to a life, say a life, of full-time discipleship. And so by this time, Peter, say Peter, had already come to know much about Jesus, and he was growing more and more acquainted with Jesus, but it doesn't yet have the feel of being a deep relationship at this time. You guys with me? Okay. It appears to only have been uh, an acquaintance with Jesus. And you see, Peter was beginning to understand Jesus as a teacher, and he had witnessed Jesus' miracles firsthand. In fact, back in chapter 4 of Luke, verses 38 through 40, uh, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Heals her. So he, Peter, was growing to recognize that Jesus was, in fact, the long-awaited Messiah. But Peter was still able to hold it all off at a distance. Just at a distance. And, and, you know, and keep from becoming connected with Jesus in a personal way. Uh, but that's when Jesus makes it personal, because that's what Jesus does. <laughs> right? Okay? Jesus makes it personal. And Jesus involves Peter, I love this, in his ministry in such a way that Peter could no longer keep it all off at a distance. You guys with me? Seven points from our text today, if you're ready to say yes. Number one, and I love this, is God's word. Come on, say it with enthusiasm. God's word. Write that down. Again, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Follow me now. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's also known as the Sea of Galilee, which is a lake, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. The King James renders it like this. And it came to pass that, I love this, that as the people pressed upon him, Jesus, to hear the word of God. Do you get that? Now I want to stop there because I, I love this. I love this. This is so awesome. To know, as the text says, that the people were so hungry for the word of God that they pressed in to hear it. Did you get that? So, so my question to you is, do you hunger for God's word like that? I mean, do we come here at Cry Out and press in, press in to hear the word of God? Because it's God's word. Amen? Kingdom principle, principles begin with the king's word. Amen? Hey, a word from the kingdom. Amen? And so I, I pray that we, we would all come Wednesdays and Sundays with a hunger for God's word. Amen? So as Jesus was pressed in by the crowd that came to hear him teach, look at verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So, so it was the end of, of the work day for, for Peter and his partners, and it was not a good business day for them, okay? <laughs> it just didn't work out that day. They worked all night, and they caught nothing. Say, say nothing. Verse 3, follow me. He, speaking of Jesus, got into one of the boats. I love this. The one belonging to who? That's Peter, Simon Peter, amen? And asked him, to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Jesus is so awesome. Say that. 
right? He got into Peter's boat, sat down, and asked Peter to push him out from the land, right? And from Peter's boat, Jesus taught the people with Peter right there listening to him. So, so some scholars believe that Peter was just holding on to the boat, cleaning the net, as Jesus was in the boat. You guys with me? Now, now Peter was not only becoming acquainted with Jesus' teaching now, okay, but he was becoming even involved in Jesus' ministry. You guys with me? You see, Peter was serving Jesus through something that meant a lot to him. That is, by lending his boat to Jesus as a floating pulpit from which to preach. Jesus is having a church service. you got to get that in your minds with inspired imagination, right? He takes, Peter, listen, he takes Peter's fishing boat and turns it into a pulpit. Amen? And he sat down to teach. It became a place of intimacy, a place of personal closeness and fellowship. And that's what's so special about God's Word. Amen? That's what's so special about the, the communal, I love the way Julian says it, the communal reading and learning about God's Word. It begins, it all begins, it all begins with the Word of God. Because we know that we're here, right? Because we know and understand that God's Word is our foundation, that is our firm foundation. It transforms our, our lives from the inside out. It convicts us. It corrects us. It redirects us. It matures us. It equips us for service. It refreshes the soul. Yeah? And it gives joy to our hearts. It gives you and I wisdom and victory over temptation. Why? Because it's truth. God's word is truth. Everyone say that. God's word is structure for our thinking and principles for our living. It's God's Word. It's God's Word. And here I cry out, we preach God's Word, God's truth. Amen? All right? We're not going to allow, listen now, the changing times of culture to influence this church. We're not going to do it. Are you guys with me? Because here I cry out, it's about substance over style, about, listen now, about truth over trend, trend, trends, and about Christ over culture. Amen? We're going to stick to the Word of God. Because it's God's word that is to influence culture, not the other way around. Amen? Because it's truth. Amen? Say truth. So Peter needed to move to a different stage in his relationship with Jesus, and he needed to make progress. So, so Jesus wants that relationship to be deep and personal, which brings us right into the second point. Number two is accept our limitations. Accept our limitations. Are you guys with me? Follow me, verses 4 through 5a. When he, speaking of Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Verse 5a, Simon, Peter, answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now, let me tell you why Peter said this. Because Peter is a, an experienced fisherman, right? And perhaps he had grown up uh, in, in the fishing industry, perhaps he'd been fishing since he was a little boy, and he knew his work. He knew it well. He knew that you don't try fishing in the deep water, but in the shallow water. And you don't, listen, you don't fish in the, in, listen now, you don't, fi you, don't finish in, you don't fish in the middle of the day, but in the night. You guys with me? So, well, after fishing all night, as the story says, Peter and Andrew came up what? Empty, Right? Now, follow me. Even though we have brains to think, praise God, amen, okay, uh, 
Brains to think with, and even though we're we're creative and knowledgeable, sometimes, listen now, we don't have enough to do the job. We come up short. We come up empty. We're, We're limited, right? Listen, if you haven't learned by now, church, listen now. Okay, we can only do so much, right? Our strength, our ability to think, creativity, knowledge, our skill, our efforts and plans are limited. We all have limitations. Say that. We all have limitations. What comes to mind is Muhammad Ali, one of the greatest, if not the greatest boxer of all times. Right? And story goes, true story, that he was on a plane. And the stewardess said, she said, you know, Mr. Ali, uh, you, need to, you need to buckle up. Your seatbelt on. And uh, she walked away and she came back again and he still wasn't buckled up. Mr. Ali, you need to buckle up. One more time she came by, wasn't buckled up. She said, Mr. Ali, you need to put your seatbelt on. Buckle up. And Ali looked at her and he said, Superman, he he, he said, uh, Superman don't need a seatbelt. And she looked at him and said, Mr. Ali, Superman don't need a plane. (laughs) You're not Superman. I'm not Superman. We all say we all have limitations. Hey, 31 years of ministry here at Cry Out has truly enlightened me. It has, okay? I have been educated. Trust me on this, okay? I have been educated in the school of I have limitations. I've learned that well. And I've learned to accept my own limitations. I've learned that I need Jesus. I need him. I need Jesus to help me finish the job. Listen now, I I need his wisdom. I need his strength. I need his guidance. I need Jesus. I cannot do it on my own, and neither can you. And friends, if we try to do it without him, we come up short. We come up empty. You guys with me? Empty nets. You guys ready? Here's the lesson. Don't lose our sense of need. We need to daily, listen, Christians, if you're safe, say amen. Daily live our lives aware of our sense of need for Jesus. We need him. Every day, every second of our lives, we need Jesus. Why? Because we have limitations. And I'm reminded what John 15, verse 5 says. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do absolutely nothing, not a zip zero. Amen? Point number three, here we go, is trust and obey. Say that. Trust and obey. Peter had just said what? He had just said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Nothing. And perhaps, I don't know, I'm just thinking here out loud, Perhaps Peter was tempted to say, Jesus, you know, with all due respect, Jesus, you know, all right, uh, don't tell me how to catch fish, and I won't tell you how to swing a hammer or how to cast out demons or how to preach. And you could almost hear Peter, right, uh, hear that in Peter's voice, but he stops himself and he changes his tone. Look at verse 5b. But because you say so. Man, you got to underline that. The King James says, At thy word. Because you say so, at thy word, I will let down the nets. You guys get that? 
And Peter's like, Jesus, you know, I don't know why you would make this command. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. It seems unreasonable. It is totally illogical. Not to mention Jesus. Huh? If, if all the other fishermen are watching along the shore, seeing us do this, I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to look like a fool. Okay? I'm gonna, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, but nonetheless, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it because you said it. And I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey you, Jesus. And, and I will be faithful to what your word says. I'll trust and obey what you tell me to do because what? At thy word, say at thy word, I will let the nets down. And so what Peter does, Peter submits to Jesus' command. If you're safe, say amen. Whatever God has in store for us, friends, whatever he tells us, wherever he leads us, we need to trust and obey. Amen? Even if it doesn't make sense. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our puny minds cannot comprehend the greatness of God's ways and God's thoughts. But he knows, say he knows, what's best for us. And so we need to trust him. Say we need to trust him. I want you to write this down. We covered uh, this verse, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7a. We covered all of Proverbs, right? It took us, <laughs> I don't know how many months, right? We went through Proverbs, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But you might remember this, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7a. Trust in the Lord. And that word trust means to put your whole weight on it. Okay? Got it? That you put your whole weight on it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay? How much are we supposed to trust in the Lord? With all our heart, right? This trust, in other words, must be wholehearted. Got it? Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And when he says lean not on your own understanding, this is a warning about self-deception. It warns us about leaning on our own intellect, ourself, rather than on God, his wisdom, and his word. And he says this, in all your ways, verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Say, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. It means that me, listen now, that we must so acknowledge him that his ways, that his word, that his character shape our choices. Got that? And direct our lives. To acknowledge him means more literally to know him. Say, to know him. And, and the Hebrew term implies being aware of and having fellowship with him. Verse 7a says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Now, now listen, if, if we're trusting God, if we're trusting him and not leaning on our own understanding, then we, it's impossible to be wise in our own eyes. Got it? And the problem is this. The problem is this, listen now, that some believers, okay, problem is with some believers is God is too small and their heads are too big. With me? You know, God, I can handle this. Uh, you know, I, I don't need you right now. I think I can get through this with my own wisdom, my own intellect. You know, I'm pretty smart, God. You know what that is? That's being wise in your own eyes. See that? Someone said this. When I try, I fail. When I trust Jesus, I succeed. We need to trust him wholeheartedly. Now, I want you to notice the obedience factor. Verse 6a. Stay with me now. When they had done so. When they what? Had done so. 
They not only said they would throw their nets down, right? But they did it. Got it? They put their words into action. And, and they still have a part to do. We've got to get that. They still have a part to do. Say a part to do. The fish aren't going to jump in the boat by themselves. Right? Okay? So they got to do something. And if you're safe, say amen. We got to obey, right? And go to work for the kingdom of God. We still have our part to do. Got it? You see, God blesses and God rewards obedience. Look at verse 6b to prove it. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Got that? Now I want to say this. This catch, get this now, this catch was a reward of obedience, not the result of skill and technique. Do you get that? I'm going to say it again. This catch was a reward of obedience, not the result of skill or technique. So two lessons here, right? You guys ready? Here we go. Obedience brings results. I have learned in my life as a believer that God rewards and blesses obedience. He wants us to be obedient. Amen? Second lesson is this. Empty nets, okay, without Jesus. Full nets with Jesus. Got it? If, if, if you're not going to involve Jesus in your life, you're going to walk around with an empty net. Amen? But you get Jesus involved, right? In the center of your life, you're going to have full nets. Amen? Because God, Jesus Christ himself, rewards obedience. Amen? Number four. Here we go. Number four is partnership. Say that. Partnership. Look at verse 7. So they signaled their partners, say partners, in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So the fishermen couldn't do this on their own, right? They couldn't do it. So what did they do? Hey, come on, we need help. They called their partners. And here I cry out, we're family. We're familia, right? Say, say we're familia. We're partners. We're partners, right? And we're in partnership. And, and I shared this in our last series in the book of Philemon, right? We're, we're in a partnership of mutual Christian faith and mutual Christian life. We're partners in ministry. We're a team. Amen? Partnership. Teamwork is imperative if you want to experience kingdom success here at Cry Out. Listen, this ministry needs everyone's participation. It does. And we need each other to help each other to, to bear the burdens together and, and to pull together. You see, I want to tell you something now. Me, me, me and the staff cannot do this on our own. We need you. You're part of the family. It's partnership, amen? We need you to be a team player and get off the bench. Get off the bench, come on, and get in the game. And we need you to get off the bench, get in the game, and we need you to pray. We need to pray. That God will continue to move within this congregation. Amen? We need to witness. Right? Witness to the lost. God, witness to the lost. Also, too, we need to serve. Man, if you're not serving, find a place to serve. All right? The church is only big if you're not serving. It's only big if you're not serving. And get this. Hey, get this now. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I believe. We need to give. And I will never beat you over the head about giving. We rarely talk about giving but we need to give. And it's between you and the Lord. But the only, the only way this ministry can survive here, because it costs a lot to be here, we need you to give. 
Because why? Because we're partners in ministry. Amen? Number five, here we go. Humility and reverence. Say that. Humility and reverence. And what I love about Peter, he responds with humble and reverent fear. Verses 8 through 10a. Stay with me now. When Simon Peter saw this, saw that, he fell, I love this, at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a what? A sinful man. Verse 9, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that he had taken. Verse 10a, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Now you might expect Peter to start bragging to his friends, hey man, check it out, look at all these fish I caught. Right? Or, you know, or, you know, pretty much, hey, Jesus, you're hired. You know, you're now the CEO of Peter's fishery, right? But instead, when Peter saw the amazing, enormous amount of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And you see, what, what, what's, what's awesome here is that Peter had come to a realization of who Jesus truly was. Get that? Again, listen now, follow me. Peter, in Peter's eyes, Jesus was not merely a teacher and not even merely a master. Peter now saw Jesus as Lord. Did you get that? It finally sunk in. And he had come to the realization of who he was in the presence of, who he was in the presence of. And it was there that Peter humbled himself and acknowledged his own sinfulness and acknowledged his own unworthiness of being, this now, in Jesus' holy presence. Now, if you're safe, say amen. This is so important in the development of our relationship with Jesus. We need to come to the point, this is now, church, come to the point in which our recognition of the truth about Jesus, his holiness, say holiness, transfers from the head to the heart that it shakes us down to the very core of our being in such a way that it leaves us completely broken, say broken, of all our self-sufficiency and self-righteousness. You see, friends, listen now, holiness exposes our sinfulness. Right? What Peter said in the text, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man, is reminiscent of Isaiah's reaction upon seeing the Lord high and lifted up. You guys know that? Huh? Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 5. Isaiah had a vision, if you know the story, had a vision of God, and it was there before a holy God that he saw his own sinfulness. He says this, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. We, friends, as believers, need to realize that we are sinners saved by grace. Amen? And we need to humble ourselves in reverence before the living God. Here's the lesson. You ready? Here's the lesson. The smaller we are, the more room God has. The smaller that we are, the more room God has. Amen? Someone said this, the Lord fishes on the bottom. If you want to get his bait and hook, then you've got to get right down to the bottom. God uses, listen now, and God exalts those who are humble. 1 Peter 5, 6, 
humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he, listen now, may lift you up in due time. Not your time, his time. God will, listen, God will deny no blessing to a thoroughly humble spirit. Amen? Six, here we go, point six, win the lost. Say, win the lost. Verse 10b, win the lost, verse 10b. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on, you will what? Catch men. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't respond to Peter's admission of sin with, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, Peter. Or, you know, you better throw all those fish back inside, you know, the water. Instead, Jesus told Peter not to be what? Afraid. Right? Because from now on, he tells Peter, you'll, you'll catch men. Now, I want you to get this, okay? Get this. Peter caught fish. Jesus caught Peter. And Peter is catching men. Write it down. Peter caught fish. Jesus caught Peter. And Peter is now catching men. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41, Peter preached an amazing message on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 got saved. Jesus was teaching Peter that there was something more important and better than fishing for fish. It was fishing for men. And I want to tell you something, church, cry out, listen now. When God looks down at his church, at his church, his concern is not how beautiful the building looks or how well the people dress or how good the worship is or how many people are on staff, but rather how many people are hearing the gospel the Word of God, in coming to know His Son as their Savior. Amen? Here we go. Here's the lesson. Ready? Kingdom success is not status. It's salvation. Kingdom success is not status. It's salvation. And I want to tell you, as ambassadors for Christ, our primary purpose, excuse me, purpose is to go fishing for souls. We are not called to be keepers of the aquarium, but fishers of men. Amen? Listen, there are two things we will not do in heaven. One is sin, and the other is witness. Question, which one do you think God wants us to do here on earth? It's witness. Amen? And we as the body of Christ... One of the kingdom principles is go, therefore, to all nations, right? To be witnesses that we'd win people to the kingdom. Number seven, we're almost done here. Number seven is surrender. And I love that word, say surrender. Surrender. In verse 11, I love this. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything. And what followed him? Hey, you know, think about it. They just, they just hauled in the catch of a lifetime, right? I mean, pretty much enough to bump their fishing business to the next level. Like, wow, right? But they leave it all behind to follow the one who calls them. Now, I want to say this. Jesus is not, does not call every believer to give up his or her own 
current employment or to go into full-time ministry or to become a missionary. But he does call every single believer to follow him. Amen? To be fully and completely devoted and sold out and surrendered to him. You see, the word followed there simply means to walk the same road. To walk the same road. And that's what true disciples of Jesus Christ do. They walk the same road as Jesus. They get on what I call, listen now, the Jesus road. And follow that road wherever it may lead. And they simply walk that road every single day following in Jesus' footsteps. Amen? If you're saved, say amen. So question, are, you, are we ready as believers, ready to follow Jesus wherever he leads? Because that's all he wants. That's all he wants. He wants us to be at the place in our relationship with him in which we relinquish all to him and become available for his use. And that only happens through surrender. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should quit your jobs, okay? But that isn't to say, listen now, that isn't to say that you shouldn't cut anything loose. You see, there are certain things, let's be honest, Christians, there are certain things in our lives, if we hold them too tightly, will only limit our effectiveness for Jesus. So question, what are we holding on to that is keeping our effectiveness for Jesus? What is it that we need to cut loose because we know that's keeping our effectiveness for Jesus. What is it? What is it? Because he wants to use us. He wants to fill our nets, our lives. But it comes through surrender. If you're saved, say amen. We must empty ourselves of our own agendas and put him first. Surrender all to him. And follow him. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for your amazing word and how your word convicts us and challenges us. It, it changes us, transforms us. And I pray, Lord, that this word today, I pray that it penetrated our hearts that would resonate deep within our hearts, that we're in this together. And, and, and we're thankful that you have been faithful to us 31 years. We love you, we praise you, we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise him, he is worthy. Real quick here. If there's someone here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, never been saved, I want to give you the opportunity to come and say, I want Jesus to come and save my, my life, that I would have eternal life, the assurance of salvation. If that's you, come right out of the front and I'll pray with you. Anybody here? Anybody here? Okay, real quick here. Christians, if you're safe, say amen. God's Word, it's all about the Word. It's all about the Word. Say that. All about the Word. Accept our limitations. We need Jesus. Amen? Trust and obey Him. Partnership. We're in this together. Right? That we come before Him with a humble, right spirit and reverence to him that we win the loss. 
that we surrender all to him because he's worthy of it all. Amen. Father, we thank you. Amen. We praise you. Love you. Bless our fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise him. Hug somebody.